And we're beginning with this, or beginning this morning with this idea of compelling Christian community. And we're going to get more into that. But the first thing I wanted to say is just how excited I am to preach this particular passage, to talk about compelling Christian community, um, especially <laughs> this morning while Trace is away at the women's retreat, and I'm relying on this church to help with our boys. I mean, I already had to go back in just a moment to give Shams back. He's in the process of getting potty trained. But anyways, but there are sisters back there, people from our church, who I trust, I know will take care of them. So I just, uh, even as we live life together, examples of this compelling community that we are. So I'm excited about this because, one, I love community, or I'm grateful for community. Jules, you're going ahead of me. <laughs> um, I'm excited about community and talking about it, but also because I'm excited about this church. I'm grateful for this church, for who we are. And two, as I was reading this text, this passage from Acts, about the ways that compelling church, a, com- a compelling community, actually draws people in. That compelling community is a powerful preach- preacher of the gospel. That when we are living together well as a community of Christians, it preaches the gospel to people. That's pretty encouraging for me. You know, there are some people who we can talk about. We can talk about sin and grace. We can talk about God's forgiveness with them theologically, and they get it. But there are also some people who say, you know, I've heard that, and I know there's other religions that talk about other things. Show me. Show me the difference. I want to see the difference. And there are some people who, I mean, even I don't know, maybe you've had conversations with people, but I've had conversations with people who say, you know, I'm not really sure I even buy into this whole sinful humanity thing. You know, I, I think I live a pretty good life. I, compared to everybody else around me, I'm a pretty good person. I mean, what are you trying to talk, or what are you talking about, sin and all this? But when they see compelling community, when they see us as followers of Christ, living together, caring for each other, growing together, and sharing things together, it begins to show them there is something to this. There is a reality to the gospel. So as I was thinking about this, I had this image of a family um, sitting down for a meal. And, you know, one thing I like about this picture, as I'm just realizing looking at it, is that that's a messy table. This is not fine china and everybody sitting in their space and kids' hands folded in their lap. This feels a lot more like my table the last few nights with two dads and five boys, all under the age of five. But this image is powerful for me because it talks about community, about family caring for each other. Now, I know some of you have had pretty hard family members, and maybe your family table didn't really look like this, and I I appreciate that. But when I think of what this church, what God desires for a compelling community, the first image I think of is the family gathering together for a meal. So I believe that compelling community is an important part of a vital church. But the interesting thing is, before I just assume that for everyone, there are some people who say, I'm not sure about church. I talk with people in our community, and and, sometimes they ask, like, what does the church even do? What is it even needed for? Sometimes I even hear this from people in the church saying, why church? Why do we need to do this? So it's an interesting conversation for me. But it's interesting for me because some of you, if you were born before 1950, your generation probably didn't really ask that question. Why church? For them, it's more of a question, which church do you belong to, or why not? But as the boomers, or those who were born after 1950, this question kind of came up more. Why do we do the things we do the way we do them? What's, what's the purpose of this? And it's even, especially in my generation and younger, people ask this even more. 
Why church? It makes me think of a funeral that I did a couple of years ago. It was with a family uh, from our community. And there was a, this thing, I can't remember exactly how we got into it. I must have said like, so where do you guys go to church or what's your faith like? And the son got this sort of anxious look on his feeling like he was in the, the principal's office trying to give me the right answer. And he said, you know, we never really went to church. We, were, we weren't religious, but we were spiritual. And I mean, maybe some of you have heard that saying. But anyways, he said, you know, we, went, we skied every weekend. Our family got together and we skied. That was our church. That's what we did for church. And you know, I'm not sure that I totally agree with that. I mean, that's great family time, and maybe even great community time, but it's sort of different than church. But the thing is, I mean, we can hear people say that sort of thing. Maybe they say, you know, the lake is church for us, or family gathering on the lake, or, or the golf course is church for me. You know, the interesting thing about that, is just, and maybe it's just me, but that strikes me as really individualist. Right? God, I'm going to do my thing, and hopefully you can show up while I'm doing it. I don't know, maybe it's just me. But I also see, too, how maybe it, it loses some of the community. You know, it's one thing with family. Like, I think about, you know, Tracy and the boys. Like, I love to get together with them. It's, sometimes it's crazy and sometimes it drives me nuts. But most of the time, I really love to be together with them. There are sometimes in the church where there are people in our church who challenge me, who help me to grow beyond myself. And sometimes I don't like it, but it's almost always good. So we need community together. But it's interesting as we start thinking about why. Why church? And that's where it comes into this text. So let me, if you would, pull out of your bulletin. There's an insert there with a passage on it. It comes from Acts. Acts chapter 2. And this is what's encouraging to me is that God answers this question, at least partly here. Not altogether, but partly here, of why church or why community is so important. So if you would read along with me, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone who had the need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And as I was looking at this passage, I realized a couple of things. That first, this community, they grew together. They were a compelling community because they grew together. They grew in their faith. It says that they were devoted daily to the apostles' teaching. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, that's great for them. I mean, they actually had followers of Jesus, people who had seen Jesus right there teaching him. But I want to encourage us that we still have the apostles' teaching. We have the apostles' teaching right here in the Scriptures, especially the New Testament. Or some, some even call it the apostles, or the apostolic testament. But we have the word of God right here. The apostles, those who follow Jesus and who taught the first church, they continue to teach us if we'll listen. They continue to teach us as we gather here on Sunday mornings to hear the word of God again. It grows us together when we gather in small groups and we talk about the word of God, when we read it together. We listen to each other. It helps us grow 
helps to grow in our understanding of what it means to live as people in this new covenant. As people of this new way. To help us understand that how to live differently or how to live out the gospel, even especially when it looks different than the world around us. So we grow together by, by devoting ourselves to the Word of God. But also by prayer. So they devoted themselves to prayer daily. And I think about this, I think about prayer, one, in the relational sense, of us getting closer to, to Jesus. Spending time in prayer. Drawing close to God. God, show me what you, um, how you do things. How you want me to do things. Or help me work through this issue that I'm going through. Or help me to understand what's happening here. So there's a relational aspect, aspect of prayer. But then there's also this, this formative aspect. That we pray for God's guidance. We pray for his help in things. God, I feel like you've called me to do this and I have no idea how I'm going to do it. I need your help, Lord. I need your help to do what I feel you're calling me to do. Lord God, please provide. And then once you've provided, don't stop there. Please, keep showing me how to do it step by step so that I do this your way. I don't go off, off the rails and try and do it my way. So this is foundation. It's great that Nick talked about foundation with our kids. That growing together is foundational to a compelling community. It's, it's the bedrock. Our relationship with God is bedrock to us being a compelling, uh, compelling Christian community. The sort of community where people are drawn to. The sort of community where people come and say, I don't know what it is, but this place is different. People here are different. Or, I don't know what it is about this small group that you call. You guys get together and you eat meals together. You do this every week or every other week. There's something about that. I, I'm interested. Tell me some more about that. See, compelling community is a powerful preacher of the gospel. So it begins in growing together. But part of it also, too, is eating together. And by eating together, I mean more like a broad term of sharing life together. But in this passage here, they talk all about eating together. Numerous times they mention that, that the, the first church, they gathered together to break bread. Now, as I was reading and you know, scholars, as they um, work at studying this, they think, you know, at very least, it was they ate meals together. But many think, too, that they probably included the Lord's Supper with that as well. And we see later in Acts that breaking bread actually includes the Lord's Supper too. So they think that probably what they did was have a meal together, worship, hear the Word of God, and then have the Lord's Supper. So it's interesting as we think about this, and it starts to think, of, I think about the difference between our culture and their culture. You see, in our culture, we have fast food. I'm going to grab a bite to eat on the way. I'm not sure when's the last time I had someone over to my house for a meal together. You live this fast-paced life where meals, at least meals together, are harder. But in the first century, the first church, meals were a big, they were an important part of life. I mean, holidays were marked by meals. Maybe we're used to this. I mean, we think about the meals we eat at Thanksgiving, the meal that we have together at Christmas and at Easter. Like, we mark holidays with meals, too. But for them, there was something special, even about the way that you ate. I mean, I don't know if any of you have uh, celebrated a Passover meal or Passover Seder. There's a lot of symbolism in that meal. It's an important part, just the way they ate the food. So, not only did it mark holidays, but also meals, they were a way of reestablishing. In a way, again, saying, we are together here. 
gathered around this table, we are together. We all belong here. There's a way of reestablishing who family was. But it's interesting, too, is also a way of bringing new people into relationship. So they'd have a meal together with someone that they wanted to get to know better. And we have eaten together, so now we have a bond. We still have remnants of that, I think, in our culture. I think there's something powerful about eating together that even transcends culture. I mean, you think about when you went on your first dates. For some of you, that might have been a while ago. But what did you do? Go out to dinner. Eat over, or uh, talk and share and, and get to know each other over a meal. There are some cultures where you do business over meals. You know, the office, you do all sorts of administrative things, but it's actually at dinner where you actually finalize the deal. So you see that there's still this importance on food and on eating together. But what I'm really interested in about this text this morning is that it wasn't just that they ate meals together, but the quality of their time together. I don't know if you caught it in the passage there, but it says that they were joyful. They were joyful. So they were simple in heart. And I think probably what Luke is saying there is that they were content. There wasn't any place else they'd rather be. They were excited about what God was doing. And they praised Him for it. These meals were marked by praising God. So I hear, these, I've, I've hear this description of this meal. And I don't know about you, but it reminds me of the way Isaiah describes the Lord or the, the end times banquet when we are with God. The table that will be for us. In Isaiah 25, it talks about God. On this mountain, God will prepare a rich banquet that will be for all the people. A rich banquet of, of great wines, of the choicest meats, of the finest of wines. And it's on this hill that the Lord will remove the sheet that covers people's eyes. He will remove the shroud from all people. He will swallow up death forever. And wipe away every tear. This is an amazing picture. And I think Luke... We're seeing some connection here. This first church, this first group of people gathered around Jesus, they were experiencing just a glimpse of this. A glimpse of this amazing meal where they shared things. Where people were excited and they were praising God while they ate. Now, I'm not saying that we need to um, eat our way to more people following Jesus. This is not like a diet routine to to evangelism. That's not really what I'm saying. But I am saying there's an important part about us gathering together, especially around meals, that draws people. That's irresistible to people. Especially in this time when so many people live without real community. Without people to eat meals with. See, that's the interesting thing for me. I think about our community right now. I think about our world right now and how more and more people are saying, you know, I really miss that. But it's becoming more and more difficult for them to spend time with people. We live in a busy world. A world that's really absorbed with what's going on in their lives. So absorbed that people might say, like, I don't even know the last time I got together with friends over supper. I don't even know the last time I sat down for a meal. But it's so amazing when people get together. See, our people, there are people in our community that crave this sort of community. People crave this getting together, sharing a meal together, sharing life together. 
as messy as it can be, like messy like a, like a table filled with kids, they still desire, they're craving this connection with people. And so with us, when we start gathering, when we gather to share meals together, it's, it's powerful to people. Start thinking, I'm not sure about, about Jesus yet, but the way you live makes me interested in him. The ways you guys get together and study the word, the ways that you guys get together and share meals together, it makes me interested in what he says. Compelling community preaches the gospel. Compelling community is a powerful preacher. So as I'm reading through this passage of Acts, I'm realizing that the early church, they loved to spend time together. They loved to be together. They loved to grow together and to hear the teaching, but also to just eat together and spend time. But here's the other thing that I realized too. That not only did they grow together and eat together, as compelling community, but they also shared together. Now, as you look through this passage, there's a big chunk of this passage where it talks about how they shared things together. The ways that they were generous with each other. Now, interesting, and an interesting thing is that as you look through this, maybe some of you have studied this passage, you know that there's a lot of debate here. Scholars on both sides will say, you know, was Luke just describing something that this, this one particular church did? Was he just describing it? Saying it was amazing and it's wonderful? Or was he describing it as a way of prescribing it? Saying, not only was it great what this church did, but this is what all churches should do. I'm not sure. You know, as I read through it, I hear that both sides of that, and I'm not sure where I come down. But I will tell you one thing that I am convinced of after working through this passage this week is that Luke is excited about what's happening in this church. This early church in Acts, Luke tells this story because he's excited about what he sees. The ways that people are sharing with each other. Taking care of each other. And so I think maybe if we get focused on, well, how much do I have to give? How much can I keep? I think that's maybe not the point. I think Luke's more important point was that they shared generously with each other. This community looked like it will look in the kingdom of God. The ways that they shared and, and took care of each other. It's interesting, as I think about this, why this particular passage, this idea of how much did they share, how much did they hold in common, I think it's debated with people because we're afraid of what we'll have to give up. We're afraid of how much it's going to mean for us. See, we live in a world that, that stuff is really important. My stuff is for me. It's all about me. And so when we live this way, when we live this way of the gospel, or when we call ourselves Christian, and the way we live doesn't really look much different than the world, it's hard for people to see the difference. When the way we live as Christians look a lot like our neighbors around us who aren't, it's not very compelling doesn't really draw people. Now, I'm not saying, and actually I don't think Luke is saying this either. I don't think God is, is desiring this communist community where nobody has anything so everybody's equally miserable. I don't think that's what he's saying. I think what he is saying, though, is talking about a community that shares with each other, that lends things to each other, that looks after each other. Maybe even sell some of the stuff they have so they can help each other out or help people, other Christians in other parts of the world out. 
See, this is a struggle for our community, for our world around us. The people who live on the outside of this church, this idea of sharing this way is a struggle. Taking time to grow together. Who has time for that? Our world asks, well, you know, taking time to eat together? I'm too busy for that. Sharing together? Come on, this is my stuff. I work for it. What do you mean share together? Our world struggles with this. It's interesting. As I think about um, just how things are changing, where our world becomes more and more self-absorbed, that even basic generosity is surprising to people now. Things that maybe a generation or two ago, that's just what people did. Now it becomes surprising and, and, and unexpected. It's interesting. I, I mean, you don't have to raise your hands or anything, but how many of you have been audited in the last couple of years because of how much you give to people, how much you give to the church or to other charities or other ministries? It's interesting. I hear it more and more. People, yeah, I was audited this year because I gave too much away. Basically, the CRA, or Revenue Canada, has started red flagging people who give so much away because they think that they're trying to cheat them. So I hear more and more of Christians who are tithing, who are being audited, because CRA doesn't get it. That's not how the world works. People don't give this much away. So it's interesting for me. I've been experiencing this. I've been living this this last, um, almost last year now, this generous sharing in the community. You know, we, many of you know we just moved into our house last year and I am grateful for how many people have shared with me. There's actually, Dave, your, your tape measure's back in your car. <laughs> Mike, I have, your, I have your, yours too in the back of my truck. <laughs> they both lent me 100 footers. <laughs> but I'm grateful for how people have shared with me and how I hear of you sharing with each other. I mean, people lending me trailers to go and, and, to go and pick up things. Um, People lending, us, lending me their, their tractor to work on our yard. Just saying, yeah, just fill it up with gas. Even friends coming and bringing their excavator over to come and help us level our yard. Like, that doesn't happen very often in the world around us. And I know these people that they don't want a lot of credit for it. But I still tell my friends, I don't mention their names, but I tell my friends that this is what we do. This is how we care for each other. And that's just me. I know of stories the way that you help each other too. The way that you keep caring for each other and taking each other shopping or showing up at each other's house to help them with things. That's compelling. People see that. And it's not so common anymore outside the church. And it inspires them. They say, I want to be a part of that too. Tell me more about this Jesus because I want to be a part of that. Compelling community. People living together and really caring for each other is a powerful preacher of the gospel. It preaches the gospel when we grow together, when we are actually transformed as followers of Jesus. It preaches the gospel when we eat together, when we take time for each other. To just be together like family, like the church. It preaches the gospel when we share with each other in surprising ways, ways that the rest of the world around us doesn't get or hasn't experienced. So, for the last bit here, I've been talking about what compelling community looks like. Community that grows together, eats together, and shares together. But we began this morning of asking, why the church, or why is community so important? 
Well, let's get down to it. Community is so important because God uses compelling community to preach the gospel. At the very end, the last thing it said here is the Lord was adding to their numbers of people being saved daily. People saw what this church was doing and they were inspired. They said, I want to be a part of this. You know, you're talking there, this is in time when the church was mainly a Jewish movement with Jewish people all around. These aren't people who don't know anything about God. They all have been taught. And yet they saw this church, this new movement coming. They said, I want to be a part of that. They began to understand who Jesus is and what he did for them. That their sins had been forgiven. It's this amazing thing that God uses the church at its best to proclaim the gospel. But when we fail to live differently than the world, it actually works against us. When we live like everybody else and we say, that's Christianity, it actually works the opposite. When we live like everybody else, and, they, and then we say, this is the kingdom of God, it turns people off. They think, well, what's the point? If it doesn't really change anything, what's the point? I'm hopeful that some of you are here today because you've seen this compelling community. Or I'm hopeful that maybe Jesus was already working in your life and you say, you know, I want to follow this. And so you, you showed up here one Sunday and this community encouraged you. Or maybe it was a small group that you heard about, that you, that you went and visited. And you saw the way that this church cares for each other. And that encouraged you to keep coming. That the gospel isn't, or excuse me, this community, or compelling community, isn't, it isn't like this new, um, this new way of, of finally solving the evangelism question. But it provides rich soil for the seeds to grow. Rich soil for the seeds of faith to grow. Imagine if you were thinking, you know, you've been reading the Bible, all of a sudden you say, I, I want to read the Bible again. I remember when I was a kid and I'm going through something difficult right now. And you pick up the Bible and you show up at a church. Imagine what it would be like if you showed up and everybody seemed to have their group. That nobody really talked to you. That you came and went and nobody said anything. Imagine how complicated that would be. Talk about, they talk about this in other stories, they call it cognitive dissonance. What you know and what you experience are different. But what happens when that same person comes to a church and they're welcomed in? People say, hey, how are you? What's your name? I want to know you. Come and sit with me. I'd like to show you what's happening in our service this Sunday. Our, our small group is getting together this week. We'd like you to come join us talking about Jesus, what we always talk about. That's very different. That draws people in. It helps people see that that Christianity is not just a philosophy. It's not just another religion. That it has real parts to it. There are hands and feet to it. It's real. People's lives actually change by following Jesus. When they gather together as a church, when they gather together in small groups, Lives begin to change. People grow together. People eat together. And they share together. And that preaches the gospel. This is why compelling community is so important. This is why church is so important. 
because it proclaims the gospel. It proclaims the gospel. People get to see and feel it. That's why this church is here. We talked about this last week, about the purpose of this church. When you planted this church, your desire was to see the gospel proclaimed in this community. To see the kingdom of God cultivated in this community. To love God yourselves. To see other people love Him. To love each other and to transform lives. That's why you guys planted this church. Because compelling community preaches the gospel. People come into this place and they get just a taste. Sometimes we mess up. We don't have to be perfect. But sometimes they come in here. More often than not, they come in here and they get a taste of the gospel. They get a taste of the kingdom. Just a glimpse of the reign of God. That's a powerful gospel. That's a powerful preacher. You guys with me on this? Mm-hmm. So maybe some of you are saying, yeah, okay, I'm coming around. But how do we do this? Maybe some of you are asking, how do we fit this in with our already pretty busy lives? How do we do this, Jesus? Well, ultimately, we're going to have to make priorities. We talked about this two weeks ago. We talked about making priorities. Figuring out what's important in our lives and orienting our lives around it. That if you are about the purpose of this church, then cultivating the kingdom of God will be important to you. Make time for it. If cultivating the kingdom of God is not important to you, come talk with me. I want to hear it. I want to talk with you about it. Why I think it's so important for us. But here's what I'm not doing. I'm not saying, put this on top of your already busy schedule. And actually, who doesn't really matter what I say? I think God's saying, don't put this on top of your already busy schedule. Make choices. Prioritize around the things that are important. Things like your relationship with God. Your relationship with your family. Make sure you do your job well. But also make sure that you're doing you're about God's business too. Whether it's in your job or in this community, maybe even in this church. Maybe not. Figure out what's important and prioritize your life around it. Because compelling community preaches the gospel. And if you're concerned about the purpose of this church, about proclaiming the gospel, then join in. Help us build compelling community here as a group of people gathered together. Maybe some of you are thinking, okay, I'm willing to make the priority change. I'm willing to, to figure that out so I have time about communicating with people and compelling uh, community of the gospel. You're thinking like, okay, so what about details? Jason, help us understand what can we do. Gather together in your small groups and grow together. Study the Word of God together. That's what you can do. You can have barbecues together. Get people from your small group or from our church together with people from your community. Get them together. That 
builds community. People will see the way that, that we are, hopefully, and they'll say, like, there's something different there. I want to be a part of that. Or tell me more about this Jesus that you follow. Another one, too, would be to gather together as small groups and help your neighbor. Now, helping your neighbor, it's becoming more rare, but still people don't maybe fall over when you do that. But imagine if you showed up at your neighbor's house with your whole small group, people who didn't even know them, and said, my whole small group is here, we want to help you with your yard. We want to help you build that new ramp for for the person with a wheelchair in your home. People would take notice of that. That's compelling community. Or maybe God's saying to you right now, you know, you've got that whole pile of stuff down in the basement. I want you to sell that. Because I know just who it needs to go to. I know just who we can help with that money. Or maybe God's saying to you, you know, think about the people in our community right now, the things they're going through. And you've got tools or, or things laying around that you can help. Maybe think about ways that you can lend to them. Say, hey, I know you're working on this project right now. I got, why don't you borrow my thing? Let me help you out. Well, let me come over and help you. I'll bring it with me and I'll, and I'll help you use it. So the thing is, when we start asking, how can we do this? We start using the imagination that God's given us, praying that God would show us what to do. There's some amazing things that you can do. That's just a few. I'm sure you guys have come up with a lot more. Over these next few weeks, I want to ask you to, one, pray about this. Pray about, Lord, what are you asking me to do? How can I contribute to the compelling community of this church? And then I want to ask you to do it. Maybe it's getting people together for a meal. And people might need more than a few days' notice. You might need a few weeks, maybe like a week or a few days to plan it. But say, let's get together, just for the sake of getting together, even to praise God. Or maybe it's, let's get together a small group. I've got this neighbor who needs help. Let's go help them. I want you to pray about it, and I want you to do it. Imagine what would happen if we grew even more this way. Because I think already this is a pretty compelling community. But imagine if we grew even more. There's even more surprising to the world around us. There's even more astounding to our neighbors, to our friends. So surprising, so astounding to them that they said, why are you doing this? i got to know, why is your whole small group here helping me with my house? At that point, you get to say, you know, I was hoping you'd ask me that. About Jesus. Let me tell you the way that a few years ago, maybe a few decades ago, Jesus changed my life. He changed all of our lives. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. We want to bless you. We want to encourage you. We want to help you. That's one of the things that, as I was, I just want to say this in closing. That's one of the things I love about this church. I believe this is one of the strongest parts of our church, is this compelling community. I hope that we don't uh, take it for granted. I hope that we continue to grow uh, as a compelling community, a community that draws people in. But this is one of the things that I love about you. People come here and they feel welcomed here. People come here and they feel like they're being drawn into something bigger than themselves. They come here and they say, like, you know, maybe there is something to this gospel because these people treat me well. I'm grateful for you. I can tell you how many times visitors stop me after the service and they say, this is an amazing church. 
This is an amazing group of people. I am grateful for you. And that's why I'm so encouraged to preach this this morning, to talk about compelling community. Compelling community preaches the gospel. Let's keep growing this way.